So since COVID, a lot of things have changed for everyone, obviously. And I know I was talking, this is literally years ago at this point, about um, reactive attachments being a more, more of a broad scope conversation and just kind of using the words reactive attachments as like a play on these other elements of our lives, um, of our lives, these other um, attachments that we have to beliefs or systems or, you know, constructs or um, philosophies, etc. cetera. Um, and I do still want to do that. So I think that I guess the best way to just do that instead of talking about it all the time is to just start having those conversations. And um, so many things have developed in my life and around me and in the world. And it's almost like hard. It's like intimidating to try to overcome like all of these things that make your voice feel like it doesn't have any value. Um, and I've been contacted repeatedly by so many people, honestly, um, saying that they found the podcast and it's been so helpful to them. And it's hard because like a lot of my feelings have changed because my experiences are changing. And I feel like I was, um, I feel like I've just, grown a lot in the last couple of years from a place of feeling contrite and like I had it all figured out and watching my kid grow up um, over the last few years and change into a totally different version of herself has impacted me quite a bit and and I'm hopeful so maybe like I've done a disservice by not speaking to that because I wasn't really sure when she came back to live with us I wasn't really sure what version of her we would get you know I mean um, but now that she's 18 and we still have several, several, um, consistencies like things that are consistent from her whole childhood to now, um, that she still does. And we have very frank conversations about that, but the person that she has become is like, I couldn't have asked for a better child. Um, and it's been a year, like we're just now celebrating her one year of living with us again. So she was with her dad for like two years and a couple months, I think. And she's been back with us for a year. So like, um, I don't think I could have designed it to be honestly better. Like that's how good of a child she has been as an adult, like as a young adult, like she, she has, we have lots of hiccups, you know, things that aren't perfect, but she's literally amazing. And I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just a wonderful experience and it's changed my opinion about things. And then that in and of itself has made me feel like, um, because my opinion has changed based on just my own experiences. Um, it makes me feel like I don't really know how to position myself or that conversation really anymore because I'm not a doctor or like qualified medically to, you know, speak on certain topics just on my experience alone. And so when you're using your experience as your only qualification in your experience and your beliefs about that experience changes, it just kind of makes you feel like you're inept <laughs> to give advice because, I mean, I honestly thought like we were going to be the people with the worst case scenario. I mean, to be honest, I really did. I really believe that we were gonna have the worst case scenario situation for forever, I guess. Um, and so now that 
we are not in that situation. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I have moments of, of feeling an additional level of fear. I think that, um, a regular parent wouldn't feel like when things are going off the, like, uh, when just a regular thing occurs, I'm like, Oh my God, are things going off the rails? Like, is this, it? Is this, are we back to like the inevitable truth of, you know, what this is going to look like. And, and that has, that has just been maybe like my paranoia, my, my PTSD, if you will, from, from it all. I don't know. But I mean, we are not the same people that we were when she was a child, obviously. And this is not the same uh, season of life. So I guess the learning lesson for me is that, you know, never lose that sense of, of like, of hope and and optimism, which naturally I have. Um, I think I also get hung up on, on the fear of, um, I think it's like a fear of, of not, not being validated or not giving validation and having to like settle in a conversation for the lowest or the most ignorant, um, belief because you know, when you deal with a lot of people in your life that are not informed or educated, they don't have the awareness um, or the drive or the curiosity to become informed and aware. They just believe whatever comes to their mind and they just have conversations in echo chambers with people that are equally as ill-informed and ignorant, that then you're always having to settle at their, at their highest available awareness. And so they can't validate things that are, that are higher level for them this is it. This is what they believe. They believe, you know, I'm sure that somebody out there has had this conversation with biological family members of a child with rad. Like, um, they believe like, Oh, well, her mom's a, her mom's a slut. So that's why she dresses bad, you know? And it's just like, no, that's not, that is not a solution or an answer or a response that is at all helpful, appropriate, or realistic to the nature of what's going on with this child. So, uh, you know, like she doesn't even know her mom. So why are we talking about her mom? You know, like she does, she doesn't, she's never even met her mother, uh, or she hasn't seen her mom in years, so many years. In fact, she has no memory of her mom. And so why do we just puncture? You don't like her mom, you know, like there's bad blood between them or whatever. And so you're just saying like, Oh, it reminds you of her mom, who's her mother, who is, um, only her mother by biology that she's never been around, but because you don't like her and you remember her in your mind as a whore, like, you know, so those are the types of conversations that you end up having. And they're just so invalidating, but more importantly, they're so useless. Like there's just no content that can be like no help for the child, no help for the caregiver, no, no help at all for anyone. It's just another terrible conversation about women in their clothes. Like it's just stupid. And so anyway, I say that to say that, um, I think that for me, it was so important like reactive attachments was so important to me because I know there's so many people out there and it's still important to me that, that there's so many out there that were not being validated in their experience and their experiences are across the board, absolutely real. And there's so many conversations that are important to me within that, the scope of that, where it's like, um, I still have such a, a, a very, a very, uh, what's the word I want to use? A very deeply held belief in this empty womb situation. It is not a joke. And now that we've eliminated Roe versus Wade, I mean, 
I could go on and on. And I think that conversation has a place. I don't know where that place is. And I don't, I think it's equally as invalidating to people that, that have that situation and they, they are out here trying to build families because they can't biologically produce them. They don't care about their family of origin. They don't care about, uh, sometimes it seems like they don't even care anything about what the kid looks like, feels like, is, what their experience is, what their trauma is, what their background is, what their desires are, what the family's desires are. They just want children in a home because that is what they always believe they would have. And they'll do so at any cost. And then of course that never goes well because how could it? And then, you know, just the trauma that goes along with adoption, the, the truth of who you have to be as a person to take care of a child with a tra traumatic background that you didn't biologically produce, whether it's your niece, whether it is your uh, nephew or your grandchild or your own child, it doesn't, um, or I'm sorry, or you adopt a child into your home as, and you act as their, you know, their caregiver as their main parent. Um, providing the primary parental um, role for a child and, and making this child integrate into a life of, of parentage where you are essentially the caricature of a parent for them. So like you are the parent day-to-day -day activities, but you pretend that you're the biological parent or we don't talk about the fact that you're not the biological parent. You don't talk about it either amongst yourselves, you know, your, the parents amongst your family members. You just all try to kind of pretend that this child is of, of your uh, family of origin. And that just like, it really eliminates a lot of opportunity for that child to grow and have space to become like a functioning human. I think I did do something right there. I can say that. I think that I always, um, and I still to this day, always keep tabs on the biological parents of my, my, my daughter. And I always, uh, like I know exactly where they're at for the most part all the time, even when they're out on drugs and stuff, like I have an idea of what's going on with them. I have a folder with all their family's information and the names of people, dates and timelines. And, you know, and that's been valuable to me, not just because there's going to come a time where she's going to want to know about these people in her life. And she's going to want to know, you know, those people maybe need help with their timelines. That seems to be evident. And so anyway, long story short, I'm saying that that, that is a whole conversation that I still want to have. I want to have it with people that need to ha hear it. And I want to have it with people that don't agree with me and that do agree with me. And I want to have it for the sake of these children. And I want to put my kid on this, on the podcast to talk about it from her perspective. Um, but I also just think like, maybe I just need to transition into a place where I'm now talking about, um, you know, a child that had rad, that's now an adult. I mean, how do I transition into that place? How do we talk about the things in life that are evident to me that are trauma-based, um, that are attachment-based, that are not necessarily reactive attachments or, um, you know, your attachment style. It's not attachment trauma all the time, but it does show up in other forms like codependency and codependency amongst, you know, interfamily relationships that, it, you know, CPTSD. Um, there are other aspects of like trauma, attachment, and um, just the, I guess, family functions or fa family systems and how they function. And I think that there is now space to have these conversations, although I think we're more divided than we've ever been as a society. I think the culture is like extremely, extremely divided as well in a lot of ways that are very scary. And these conversations come at a high price. Like they could essentially come at a very high price. So I don't really know how to move forward, but I do know that in the last few months, especially, I have been contacted by quite a few people that have been very grateful. I've um, some young adults as well that were asking me things like, 
do I really have rad? And I'm just like, well, I don't know. Um, I probably haven't been as helpful to those people, I would say. <laughs> but I have several, I think five or six in the last probably six, eight months, people have com uh, commented or contacted me directly um, and asked me questions and told me thank you. And they said this podcast, I like really eager to hear more episodes. And and I want to know what it is that you want to hear and that you need to hear because I want to provide that. And I want to provide it with the understanding that maybe I'm not experiencing it anymore, but I can, in hindsight, I can talk about it from a place of um, like where we were and where we've come from and what it was like for us. I remember the times very well in, in, in vivid detail. And I have lots of notes, <laughs> lots of uh, journal entries, if you will, and lots of conversations, the recorded videos, like I've, I've documented a lot of my life because um, back to that issue of needing to be validated. So I have a lot of the evidence that I can review if I feel like I'm too far away from the memory. But I just wanted to touch base and say that like, you know, life isn't perfect. Uh, my kid is struggling with certain things in her life as well, but she's like amazing. And my wife and I are really, usually most of the time I would say we are, are impressed she does does disassociate pretty regularly which causes us to have to like rein her in sometimes because she just disassociation seems to be the times when things are the worst the hygiene is the worst the the um spatial and and situational awareness goes out the window her ability to respond to things in a intelligible way um the, her ability to complete things like we struggle every semester at college with her wanting to quit and us having to like drive her back in to like, okay, you don't want to go to school? Fine. You don't have to, but you have to finish the semester. So we're not going to do any kind of bailout, you know, emergency ideas. We're not switching up the plan until you complete this semester, period, point blank. And then she's fine. Um, she's just like, she gets railroaded. She railroads herself and self-sabotage is a big topic, I think, that we could discuss. But um, I want to answer questions and I want to have a conversation that matters and give the feedback that would help the most amount of people for the most, um, you know, give the most value to the most amount of people on the most important topics. So the, the conversation can go on and it shall go on. You know, I just, I just want to be very clear that like, I'm not in a place of feeling that same level of frustration when I did when all of this started many, many years ago. And, you know, I'm not in a place of feeling like, there's no hope for anyone because I do feel that there is hope. And I think that there's a, a spectrum of hope. I think there's a spectrum of rad. I think there's a spectrum of um, truth that comes from people in these situations, the adults in these situations. And I think that each person has their own mental health to deal with too, while they're rearing these children. I mean, you're, you are yourself in an activated uh, sense, you, you know, you're in an activated fight or flight type mode most of the time yourself, I would assume, because it's counterintuitive to raise a child that does counterintuitive things. Like uh, th they show up in your home a lot of the time, like like the enemy. And after only first charming you into believing that things would be different because they need you and they want to live with you and they, that you're going to rescue them. And as soon as you do, you move into that, like, you know, nurturing enemy state. And you can stay there for the rest of the time you know this child. Or you don't, you, or you don't. I mean, it can transition. And I don't necessarily, I guess I'm afraid to have that part of the conversation because I don't know what I did right or different than other people do to experience this. I mean, obviously she lived with her dad. Um, I think that made a huge difference in her life. She got to experience what she thought was a fairy tale um, 
family dynamic and it was not that for her. And I think it made her very grateful for the life that she has at my house. And I, I don't know though. And I usually feel pretty confident that I know the answer to things and I don't know what I did right or what influences were the correct influences to help transition her into a different path consistency or the structure that all of us have, you know, somehow jointly provided. I don't know, but I'm happy with who she is. And I am at peace with, um, her childhood. And it's almost like it wasn't that bad now when I look back, even though just a couple of years ago, I thought it was that bad, like just not even a couple of years ago. I mean, just when she was 16, I was like, um, yeah, it's that bad. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I don't have all the answers yet, but um, maybe I never will. Maybe I'm not supposed to. So that's that, I guess. And I will, uh, I'll be back with hopefully some more poignant and um, more exacted and, and defined topics for conversation. Um, and I do want to bring her on. So I need to schedule that with her at some point. She will, I'm sure, love to do that instead of homework. So, all right, you guys, thank you again for always coming back and checking back in with reactive attachments, even though we only post like once a year around here, it seems like so. Um, but I will talk to you guys soon. And hopefully this gives you some uh, hope and some, some drive to keep it going another day. All right, you guys. You are listening to the reactive attachments podcast. I started this podcast after years, 16 years of dealing with reactive attachment disorder and attachment disorders in general and the impacts that that has on families all over. I also support those same families and communities of caregivers that are affected by children with attachment disorders. All of my opinions come from that space. I'm not a medical professional. I don't have any licensing or any type of psychological or therapeutic intervention. I cannot create any kind of treatment plan or give medical recommendation or advice. I am not a social service provider either. I am simply a person who has been involved in this community for a long time and I have met the needs of a very specific group of people within this community and even though I may speak in very strong language with very strong opinions, very absolute statements may come from this podcast. Please understand that's just how I communicate. And if you ever have any issues, any comments, concerns, or questions, please just reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, just at Reactive Attachments. You can always email me, taylor, at reactiveattachments.com, or very simply, just reactiveattachments at gmail.com, and we'll be adding a phone number later on.